재미와 지식의 오디오라이프 팝빵 Mandatory military service has always been a very sensitive topic here in South Korea, especially because of the fact that, uh, by principle, every able-bodied young man is expected to serve a number of years in South Korea's military. Now, there are exceptions, and this has led to a lot of uh, social discord, especially in cases where you see people who have cheated the system or uh, members of the elite who have had uh, some kind of way to avoid uh, the uh, very uh, strenuous and difficult parts of military service. Well, now it looks like there is another major problem. We know about the aging society here in Korea. We also know about the low birth rates. And that has led to a long-term shortage of able-bodied males available to serve in the current military structure and its current draft pool. So the government has now decided to make up for that shortfall by doing away with some exemptions, a long-standing rule which applied to students majoring in natural sciences and engineering uh, heretofore uh, exempt but not anymore. This has led to a lot of people being upset, especially, obviously, uh, those students who would be affected. So to uh, talk about this issue in more detail and maybe the wider topic of conscription here in Korea, give us your thoughts. Text us at pound 1013 for 51 or send us a Kakao Talk message by adding TBS EFM as a plus friend. Joining us here in the studio, our good friend from Hanguk University of Foreign Studies, law professor Hwang Jong-wook. Professor Hwang, thank you so much for joining us. Good evening, Henry. Well, you know, when you talk about this issue of mandatory military service and the rules that apply and the exceptions that are made, there are differing, I suppose, premises I think you can approach this topic to because if we talk about the ideological argument of whether the military should be maintained at its current level, or whether uh, if we believe in rapprochement with North Korea, whether uh, the fact that the, the, the military does need to maintain this current level or modernization aspects and all that. But as it stands right now, with the way the current military is set up and the way they are, I suppose, reliant on this inflow of able-bodied young men, was this an inevitable choice that, look, we have low birth rates, we have less and less able-bodied men able to serve, so we need to do away with some of these exemptions. Is that inevitable? Yeah, I mean, uh, this problem had a, had a very long lead time. I mean, we knew that birth rate just plummeted in the early 2000s in Korea, and lo and behold, you know, fast forward 19 years, which is the age of majority here here in Korea, starting in 20, 2020, basically the Ministry of National Defense is that was saying is that there will be uh, there will be a shortage of between 20 to 30 thousand men um, who are eligible for military service. So you know, the Korean government basically. About 20-year uh, uh, heads up on th- this coming uh, population problem, and now this is one of one of the first signs of, of this affecting the national defense here in Korea. Is it sort of like when we've talked in the past about other issues, let's say that are completely seemingly unrelated, like um, budgetary shortfall and fiscal deficits, and how to increase government? Revenue and and you can say well we can close some loopholes here and the taxes mm-hmm. there maybe we can raise the marginal rates in other places we can maybe do away with it but will that completely cover the shortfall I guess the question here is that is still 
unknown, right? Whether just doing away with that exemption is going to actually make up that twenty thousand dollar exactly. So you know the the number that the, uh, the Ministry of Defense has to make up is about twenty to thirty thousand, and by uh, uh, getting rid of this exemption, they get up to about sixty five hundred. Current figure is about sixty five hundred people who are exempt or uh, gets out of the active military service through this. And other ways that the national uh, the Ministry of National Defense is trying to make up is to actually raise the rate at which the people are actually put into active service, I think they're, they're planning to raise up to about 90% of p- people uh, eligible and you know, only the 10% will be either exempt or for, uh, for, for a variety of other reasons. Again, this leads to another question because when we talk about how certain people feel the system is inherently unfair, right? Uh, a lot of people feel, okay, if you don't have insider connections, if you are maybe from the lower uh, income classes, um, you are generally getting the, the short end of the stick with the assignments that you get. Um, now that we have the uh, so-called good students who are in engineering and sciences, who I guess in the past during the industrialization age were uh, too valuable a human resource to put into these type of situations. Does that at least forget the shortfall argument? Does that help in the uh, longstanding uh, equitable argument of we need to make this a fair system that everybody has a civic duty and is eligible should have should be required to serve? Sure. I mean, I think I noticed that the, some people were in favor of this uh, news coming from the, 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 uh, Department, uh, the Ministry of Defense. Although I, one thing you should note is that actually the voices that were opposed to this move probably sounded a lot louder than, than the voices that were for it. I, I think one of the reasons is that this particular exemption wasn't really regarded as you know, particularly uh, very controversial or very unfair. I think more controversial exemptions, exemptions were just questions. Uh, medical exemptions or more crucial positions within the military. This, you know, science and engineering grads, I think there was a bit of a consensus that, yeah, those students, for whatever their background is, worked really hard, gained whatever, uh, you know, scientific knowledge or engineering expertise to get those positions. And, you know, so to, to a certain extent, I think these particular exemption was more politically protecting than other more questionable practices. And when we talk about this, I guess we can call it a protected minority because, to be frank, right, um, they are a minority of the, uh, uh, I guess, eligible aged men who would be willing to serve. That's right. It, it does then, as you say, if you put a poll out there, if I'm a poetry major, I would feel, yeah, I mean, I'm a poetry major, but I'm going to have to serve in, in the infantry and the front lines. Then I, I, I think my fellow chemistry major should also have that opportunity. And so I suppose in that sense, you're saying it's not necessarily controversial. It's just the bark is a lot louder on the other side. That's right. And, you know, all those exemptions still apply. You know, people who are doctors or medical students will still get to be military doctors. People who are uh, past the, the bar examination will become, you know, the judge advocates. And, you know, those exam- those exemptions or not exemptions, but the, the, more regard- the positions that are regarded as more crucial are still there. Yeah. And the, also the fear is that now that these, ex- these exemptions for engineering and science students go, go, uh, uh, disappear, maybe they all want to become doctors now, mm. you know, the, Certainly, that's a concern that many people have. Regardless of your field of study or your major or your specialization, a lot of people, though, I guess there is an overwhelming consensus that one thing that is not fair is the fact that, and I mentioned this in the beginning, that a lot of people feel whether you are a member of the elite, whether it's the police,
political <laughs> elite or the economic elite or whatever elites, it does seem like the offspring of those people do tend to find ways to sort of circumnavigate the system, whether That's it's right. complete mm-hmm. exemptions or getting those cushy kind of daytime, you go to the office and you come yep. back home type of uh, positions within the military service. Do you think the government should focus a lot on that as well? Uh, f- for certainly uh, in terms of inequality or fairness or just general trust about the, you know, how the government functions, I think those issues are very important. And, you know, it's, it's no surprise that each time we have a confirmation hearing for, you know, ministers and prime ministers, their military service back 20, 30 years ago, again, become very controversial topics. So certainly, I think from the uh, you know, uh, the perception among Koreans is that the system is fairly unfair, and I think the government does need to get a, get a handle on the situation, and it's a long-term project. I mean, I don't want to keep bringing up an unrelated argument, but another constant debate we keep hearing about is, and, and you can have reasonable arguments on both sides, but let's say raising the marginal rate of the ultra-elite or mm-hmm. like closing the corporate tax rates. But if you're making over $200 million one a year, you should pay a, a lot more of that. Uh, the argument from the conservative side has always been, well, that's going to be a very small percentage of the uh, total amount it of government true. revenue that's going to supposedly fill in that uh, budget deficit. Isn't that the same thing if we talk about a politician's son or, or uh, a, a conglomerate CEO's son who gets by, that's really going to be a more symbolic political thing. It than is. I mean, in terms of the the manpower shortfall, we are talking about twenty to 30,000 uh, uh, numbers per year. So, you know, just going after children of super elites is not really going to be a, put a big dent on that. It's more about, you know, people's uh, confidence in the system in general. I think that's at stake. Right. And again, I suppose the, the message that would be sent that perhaps PR-wise uh, would be something that would could allay a lot of the objections that we're hearing right now. We're going to continue to uh, discuss this issue with Professor Hwang Jong-uk. We'll uh, delve more into the issues of not just the students that are affected, but also the needs of the military. And we'll be joined by Professor Park Hee-duk, noted military expert, and what exactly the Ministry of Defense, uh, their needs and their long-term concerns are with this. Uh, give us your opinions. Text us at pound 1013 for 51. We're going to take another short break. Stay tuned. You're listening to Primetime.